Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Well, today we have a little different format today. I'm going to, uh, I want to teach from a passage. Matter of fact, let me, I'm going to read it to you first before we actually go to the slides. It's just five verses, and really these five verses could probably, you could take almost uh, a week or a teaching on each each one. And after, I just want to kind of go through those, maybe take 15 or 20 minutes, just explain to you what David is saying in Psalm chapter 103. So if you have your Bible, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 will be our text. And after that, I've asked uh, three individuals who are going to share some real-life testimonies because it's one thing to read a, read a passage from the Bible that was written by a guy that lived 3,000 years ago, King David. And although it's God's word and it's impactful, I think it's, it's impactful when you hear a real-life story from somebody living today and how that God has impacted and changed their life today. And so we're going to hear three stories uh, three different testimonies from three individuals after after the teaching today, and then we'll wrap up. But, you know, I, I think a lot of times we think, well, King David, he was a king at the time. He was the wealthiest uh, person in the world, maybe even to this, this day, if you factor in inflation, things like that. But, you know, David wasn't absent from difficult times. King David, even before he became king, he's anointed to be the next king. He's He's on the run. King Saul is trying to kill him. He, he has his life tried to be taken numerous times. He's living in caves. People that he thought were his friends have deserted him. He gets married. He marries the king's daughter. She actually despises him secretly because of the way he worships the Lord openly. He's got a wife, and, and she feels poorly toward him. The first baby he has, he has, he has sexual relations with a woman that's not his wife. He commits adultery. He has her husband murdered. He tries to cover it up. The baby that's the result of that relationship dies. David lived through some tough stuff. But I think the thing about David, you know, of course it tells us he's a man after God's own heart, but he knew where to go in the time of trouble. He knew what his rock was. He knew to go back and find solace in the Lord. And if you were here last week, Pastor Jay preached on, uh, I, I dare even say it, he said it was, the message was on the F word. Who, anybody here last week? <laughs> the rest of you were like, what? <laughs> what kind of church is this? It was on fear. And you know that, that fear is really the enemy of your faith. And, but you know, even David was fearful. There were times that he got scared. When I, was, when I was a little boy, one of the first verses my mom taught me was one that David wrote, Psalm 56. It says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. That, that, that when fear comes, we, we don't say, well, I'm not scared. Hey, I'm scared, but I know where to go. I might be frightful, but I know who's got this thing. So, so when fear comes, I don't let it own me. I don't let it run my life. I stand against it because it's not from God, and I turn to and put my trust in God. So David was a guy, he's been through a lot. And so really by the time he writes this psalm, it's kind of the end of his life. It's toward the end of his life, he's been through a lot. So Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So today, I, I just want to, just the title of the message is Remembering What God Has Done. Because a lot of times what happens is, is we get into the middle of a circumstance. We get into, maybe it's we're in the middle of a pandemic. Has this worn on you this year? It, uh, it's worn on me, right? It's exhausting. Every week, 
The rules change. Every week, more people get sick. Other people, it just never ends. Uh, you know, the, the, the climate in the, in the, through the election, things like our government, everything, this year has been an exhausting year. And what happens when you get into the midst of situations, maybe you've, you've lost a loved one this year, maybe you've had a child that's run off and, and got involved in some things, maybe you've gotten involved in some things. And sometimes we forget who God is and what God's done. And I think sometimes, even David got to the point when he says, God, are you still there? God, did you forget about me? Even the disciples. There was, there was a, a story in Mark chapter 4, is one of the places. Jesus does, just does a teaching, and he, he teaches on the parable of the seed and the sower. And after they're done, he says, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. And it says they get in the boat, and guess what Jesus does? Takes a nap. It says he's asleep in the back of the boat on a pillow. And this storm is going on all around. And the disciples are freaking out. Like, we're going to die. And they go back and they're like, Jesus. And they say, don't you care that we're drowning? Like, why do you have no faith? See, what happens, we get in the midst of situations sometimes, and although we have a word from God, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. When Jesus said it, it's going to happen. We sang earlier, all his promises are yes and amen. And when he says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side, but we get stuck in the middle of this situation, and we begin to look at the wind and the waves and everything else, and like, don't you care, Lord? Have you forgotten about me? And David says, we need to go back and remember. We need to not forget what God's done. Let's start here. We'll go to verse 1 and 2. I just want to go through these, through these few things, and we're going to have uh, some testimony time. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So blessing, most often we think about God blessing us, right? We say, Lord, bless me. Well, David is saying that we need to bless the Lord. Well, how do I bless somebody that's the blesser? So bless, bless is rooted in your mouth. If you read Psalm chapter 34, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So that we see that blessing. When God created the earth, in Genesis chapter 1, it said, and God blessed them and said. When Abraham runs into Melchizedek, when he's coming back from the battle, it says, Melchizedek blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham, possessor of the Most High God. So there's this connection between blessing and saying. That when we're going to bless God, we're verbally recognizing what he's done and who he is. So, but there's also this connection. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So our soul is not our mouth. So he's saying, I just don't want you to speak it. I want you to take a moment and internally Turn to the Lord and recognize what he's done. The word bless is actually the Hebrew word barak, which means to, to speak, but it also means to kneel or to take a knee. And basically David's saying, I want to bless the Lord, but I want to take an internal knee. I want to turn my heart and just give thanks to God for a moment and recognize that only because of him am I where I'm at today. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So my mouth, my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, my actions, everything in my life should be returning blessing to the Lord. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. He says, I don't want you to forget. See, we have a tendency to forget. We, can, we, 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 get, we don't have a problem remembering certain things. <laughs> My wife's laughing. Because I know she's thinking, where is he going to go with this one? <laughs> I can almost tell you every time my wife was wrong. That's what I remember. Only happened once, she said. That's why I can't remember it. Because there was only one time in 28 years she's ever been wrong. But I'm remembering that one. <laughs> Hey, you got to think on your feet up here. 
He says, I don't want you to forget. See, it's, it's very easy to forget when the waves are crashing around you. Because you can take, you, 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 can, you can lose sight of, of what God has done, who God is, what he's going to do, what he's promised when you turn your attention to other things. David says, I don't want you to face this. Forget not his benefits. So these are, these are not my benefits. Now because I'm his child, I participate in them, but these are God's benefits. And the fact that they're his benefits means he's the source, he's the supply. Not because Fred's a great guy. I mean, I might want to think that, hey, I probably deserve a few benefits. No, God does this based on grace. See, here's the thing is, is, is we think of benefits, it's when you're going to go look for a job, you, one of the things you ask is, what's the pay and what are the benefits, right? So when you go to work for a company, sometimes benefits are different by types of classes of employees. So this employee, they're entitled to these certain benefits. And, and these people, maybe they're executives and they get better benefits. Or maybe people that were here 30 years ago, their grandfathered in on, on an old set of benefits. Or maybe, well, you're entitled to these, but you got to be vested. So you can get a little bit, but after five years, you'll get a little bit more. And 10 years later, you'll get a little bit more. That's not God's benefits. See, God's benefits, you don't have to be vested. You accept him today, those benefits are active today. They're immediate. See, it doesn't matter that I've been saved now 43 years, I don't have access to any greater benefits than you do. Because they're his benefits. They're free. You can't earn them. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter your present. These are his benefits. And David says, I want you to remember them. So what are they? So here's, here's, what, here's the one point. Next slide. I want to drive this home today. Remembering, and I'm going to change, I want to change this because as I reread this this morning, I disagree with what I wrote, partially. <laughs> remembering what God has done. Remember, we do that with our mouth first. Remembering what God has done becomes a prophetic declaration of what God will do in the future. So what I don't like about that is it takes out the now. So remembering what God has done in the past becomes a prophetic declaration of what God will do right now and will do in the future. See, God's not limited by time and space. See, God says in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, He says, I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that if God did it 3,000 years ago for David, if he did it today for, for, for Christine or AJ or Jeff, who you're going to hear from in a minute, means he'll do it for you today or he'll do it for you tomorrow. It also means that, that Peter, when he goes to preach to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, up until that point, the, the, the Christians thought that Jesus' provision was only for the Jews. And all of a sudden he realizes, no, it's not just for the Jews, it's for everybody else that's not a Jew, the Gentiles. And he says, I realize now that God is no respecter of persons. Actually, other translations say that God doesn't play favorites. So it doesn't matter if it was 3,000 years ago, yesterday, or, or um, whenever. And it doesn't matter if it was me, it doesn't matter if it was Pastor Jay, my wife, or anybody. God doesn't play favorites. That's what I want you to know today. When we look at these benefits, they're for everybody, and they're for right now. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about them just real quickly. We're going to run through what they are. So number one, it says that he forgives all your iniquities. Now, iniquity is not a word we use a lot anymore, and we can really just substitute in the word sins. Everybody knows what sins are, right? <laughs> we all know what sins are. So iniquity is a little bit more of an all-encompassing word. Iniquity... It actually means the sin itself, the transgression. It means the guilt that comes from doing that. So, you know, when you do something wrong, you, you feel, well, at least you should feel a certain way about it. It's the guilt that comes with it, and it's also the repercussions or, or the, the, um, the punishment or penalty for that sin. So it says that he forgives. The word forgive means to pardon. Anybody ever been convicted of a crime? Anybody ever seek to get a pardon? Can I get a witness? So, so when whether you commit a federal crime and the president 
uh, gives you a pardon, or, or in your state, the governor gives you a pardon. When you're pardoned, your record is wiped clean. You're, you're, you're expunged. You're also relieved of the penalty. If you're serving a sentence, you're, you're released immediately. So it takes care of what you did. It takes care of the penalty for what you did. You get a clean slate. See, a lot of times we think that it says, well, I knew you know, God might forgive this sin, but you don't know what I've done. You don't really know how bad I've been. This says all sin. See, see, God, all sin is an affront to God. It doesn't matter if you tell a lie or if you abuse a little kid. I'm thinking on all ends of the spectrum and everything in between. All sin will keep you from, from a relationship with God. All sin will condemn you to an eternity in hell. But when Jesus died on the cross, it says that he became sin for you. He became sin for me. He looked ahead 2,000 years ago. He looked ahead to today, knew every sin you'd ever commit in your life, and became that. And he died for that. And he, God has said, I'm offering you forgiveness of everything. All sin. And think, even the ones you haven't committed yet, he already paid for. That's an amazing thought. That doesn't mean you go out and do it. It just means that he's already paid for it. So you don't have to worry about, well, what if? The what ifs died 2,000 years ago. A little bit later in this chapter, we look at the next slide, it tells us how, how far he, he puts them away. So you're like, well, what's that mean? Uh, the voice translation says a little bit later in this chapter, you see God takes all of our crimes, our seemingly inexhaustible sins. Sometimes you get just stuck in a rut of sin and you just can't seem to get out. God paid for that too. You cannot exhaust his forgiveness. So you might say, I've committed sin after sin after sin. Paid for, but you got to receive it. It says he removes them as far as the east is from the west. He removes them from us. So you, you cannot, if you go east around the globe, you'll never catch west. You'll just keep going east. You can't catch it. See, if you go north, you'll eventually go south. See, if you go to the North Pole, when you get to the top, you go south. But if you start going east, you're all, you'll never catch west. That's how far he removed your sin away. He doesn't cover it up. John says, behold, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. So you can live with complete freedom, knowing your sin, not covered up, not pushed over in the corner, gone, put away. Second thing he does, it says he heals all of your diseases. He heals all of your diseases. The next slide. That God hates sickness as much as he hates sin. See, he, he doesn't just hate sin. He hates anything that's the result of sin. All sickness is a result of sin. Now, it doesn't mean because you're sick, you're living in sin. I'm talking about when Adam sinned, sin infected everybody, and sin is one of the effects, or sickness is one of the effects of the curse. So I don't want you to think right now if you're sick, it's because you're living in sin. I'm not saying that. Just saying sin is one of the effects of the curse that was you were born into. But Jesus says that it, or David says says that God heals, the Lord heals all of your sicknesses. See, when Jesus went about, next slide, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, sometimes we think, well, if 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 I don't know about this sickness, can God heal this? Or, or maybe, maybe God wants me to carry this one. This is just my lot in life. Look. That sickness is no more your lot in life than your sin. You, if you wouldn't go encourage somebody to stay in their sin, I'm never going to encourage you to stay in your sickness. And the fact that people say, well, maybe God put that on you to teach you a lesson, or maybe that's just where you're going to stay the rest of your life, that's a lie from hell. That Jesus didn't suffer all he went through so that you could stay sick. It said that he became a curse for us. It said that he, that by his stripes, that he took a stripe for every sickness, every disease, and that he, 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 he suffered and he was bruised and he died so that you could be completely whole. 
When Jesus went around, it says he continued going around to all the towns, preaching the good news of the kingdom. See, too often we limit the good news of the kingdom to just getting saved. That's just a part, that's, that's a partial gospel. Because when Jesus preached, he preached forgiveness of sin, but he also preached healing of bodies. He preached deliverance. He preached resurrection of the dead. It's part of the gospel of the kingdom. It's what he preached. It says he healed every disease and every sickness. So I don't, I don't care if you have a cold. I don't care if you got coronavirus or cancer. It's all the same to him. See, sometimes we say, well, if God could just heal me of this, then I could deal with this. That's like saying, well, if God could, could, could heal me of addiction, then I'll just live with adultery. That's stupid. See, God wants you delivered of every sin. He wants you healed of every sickness. And it's, that stuff died at the cross. And anytime you decide that you want to carry that, that's an affront to God because you're saying what Jesus did wasn't enough and that you're better than he is and you can carry it better than he did. And that's not true. I don't know why I'm yelling today. Calm down. It's supposed to be testimony. I forgot I'm just supposed to share it for a few minutes. I better stop. All right, next slide. Who redeems your life from destruction. So see, this word redeemed means to buy back. It means to buy back. That word destruction, it can mean the pit. It can even mean hell. And I bet you some of you are living in hell right now. You're living in hell on earth. You've been in a pit. Maybe you're going to hear people that have been in a pit. Now they're out of a pit. But Jesus pays the price not only to get you out of the pit, but to make you a son or a daughter. Yeah. See, there's one thing. Back, back in, in, when this was written, there was a slave market. And one slave owner would, would sell another slave, and somebody would just buy you to make you their slave. That's not what Jesus did. He, he actually bought you out of the slave market. See, that we were slaves to sin. And he didn't just buy you to make you a slave. He bought you out to make you a son and to make you a daughter. He brings you out of that pit. The next thing he does, it says he crowns you. Oh, oh, we'll just skip the next slide. Keep going. Says, well, let's, let's read it. We can read it. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That word means to buy back having become a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. That verse goes on to say. See, Jesus didn't just buy you back just so he could buy you back. He bought you back with a purpose. He bought you back with a purpose that you could now live the life that he has planned for you, which is a good life, a great life, that, that, that you no longer... See, before you receive him... You're living in what you're living in because that's what you deserve. See, you're, if you're not saved, you're under the law. And when you're under the law, you get what you deserve. See, if you're good, you get good. If you're bad, you get bad. And that's probably why you're living in the pit. Because you deserve to be in the pit. But see, when Jesus went to the cross, he became a curse. He paid the price to pull you out of the pit. And when he pulls you out of a pit, he makes you a son and a daughter and a joint heir with him. Next slide. It says, who crowns you? See how this could all be like, each one of these could be a message. I probably should have, shouldn't have tried to tackle it. It says, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Well, this word crown, who wears a crown? Jesus does, but who else does? It says that we are a, a kingdom of what? Royal, we are a royal priesthood. See, only royalty wears a crown. And that's how God sees you. See, that word crown, it, also, it means crown, which means he dignifies you. He beautifies you. But it also means he surrounds you. See, that crown is round. And what's he surround you with? What's he dignify you with? What's he beautify you with? He sees you as royalty, and he beautifies you with his own loving kindness and tender mercy. See, you don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, but he loves you that much. Yes. He loves you that much. Yes. And it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It doesn't matter what your parents told you. 
It doesn't matter what your kids have told you. God says you are worthy to wear a crown of my love. Next slide. A little bit later in this chapter, it just talks about, well, how big is that loving kindness? How big is that? Paul, Paul in the book of Ephesians, he talks about, he said, that you could know what is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of his love, that it's beyond all understanding. That the love of God is so deep, it's so high, it's so wide, it's, it, it, it's, you can't even imagine it. And when you think you're there, you've just scratched the surface. God says that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his great loving kindness. So that if you can look up and as far as you can see, you go beyond that, another realm, another universe, and you won't even touch God's love. It says the loving kindness is the law of the Lord. It's not only high, it's wide. It's from everlasting to everlasting, which means you can't exhaust it. You can't, you, you, you can't screw it up. Let's just call it what it is. You can't mess it up. He loves you that much. Finally, it says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. You know, it's one thing people are looking for today is satisfaction. You know, companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, to see if people are satisfied. Right? You guys have heard of J.D. Power. J.D. Power makes a lot of money surveying customers to see if they're satisfied. So one thing I've learned in business over the years is the one thing that leads to customer satisfaction is when the level of reality exceeds the level of expectation, a customer satisfied. But when their expectations here and you deliver here, they're dissatisfied. If I think about that in, in spiritual terms, you can never out-expect God. That the reality level that He delivers at will always be greater than your expectation. That, that whatever you expect, you might think, man, I'm expecting big things. God's bigger. I'm dreaming big. God's bigger. You need to expect everything that's in His Word and everything that He's created and put in you to dream, and He delivers beyond that. That He satisfies you. And He doesn't just satisfy you with crap and satisfy you with garbage. He satisfies you with good things. See, He's a good God. There's a lot of bad stuff that will bring you temporary satisfaction. See, a lot of times, you know, the reason is people are looking for satisfaction is because there's a vacancy, there's a hole in here that you were born with that you're incomplete. You're incomplete because God created you in your image, but you were born into sin because of what Adam did. And God desires you, and God longs for you. And there's this longing in you to be complete. And, and God says, I'm the only one that can satisfy that longing. I'm the only one that can meet that need. You might try sleeping around. You might try to go far in your career. You might try drugs or out, whatever. Those things will temporarily meet that need. But next morning, that's gone. When she gets out of your bed, that's gone. When the drugs run out, that's gone. Jesus never leaves you. When he comes to live, he comes to stay. Just going to close with this verse, and I'm going to call up our testimonies. James chapter 1. I can't emphasize enough that God only thinks good things. It says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. I don't know if that's the translation I put up there. It's a little bit different. But it just means that everything good, everything perfect in your life came from God. And that it says that God, in God, there's no shadow of turning. Which means that He's not good one day and He's bad the next. He's good and he's good, and he's good, and what he gives is good and perfect. And that's God's plan for you. The best gift that he gave is Jesus. And then after Jesus, he gave us his Holy Spirit. 
Everything else pales in comparison to that. But God's got great things for you. So I want to invite today, I'm going to invite, i got three people I want to come up and share their testimony. I think you're going to be blessed. You're going to see how God has, has taken these benefits and how they have, they have changed people's lives. The first person I'm going to invite up today is Christine Atkinson. Uh, Christine, you guys know Christine. She runs our, our prayer services on Friday night. She's an amazing woman of God. Christine, come on up. Let's give her a hand. to be up here um, just to share the goodness of God in my life. You know, during worship, we were listening to the songs and, you know, how God's a good God and how he takes good care of us. And I couldn't help but cry and look back. I was just playing back my life in the last 10 years and just amazed at how far God's brought me in the last 10 years. And I will testify, he is a good God. He is a faithful God. He will pull you up out of the pit and he will redeem your life. You know, um, growing up as a child, um, I lived in a house full of drugs. Uh, my dad was a drug dealer, uh, very angry. I grew up in a very angry, broken house. Um, by the time I was a teenager, I witnessed my father uh, try to murder my mom. I was barricaded in a house. Um, so I witnessed that. It was very traumatic for me. Um, after my dad went to prison, I was very angry. I was very broken. Um, and so I didn't know what to do to handle all the pain. So I began to use drugs. Um, when I was 12, I began smoking cigarettes. When I was 14, I started using heroin. Um, so by the time I was... 21, I was really lost. I mean, this went on for a pattern of years. And, um, you know, I was involved with a lot of bad people. You know, my mom was a single mom trying to raise three kids. So uh, all I knew was, was drugs, deal drugs. So I began selling drugs uh, just to help my mom pay her bills. So I was running to Pittsburgh and selling crack and dope and yeah, so by the time I was 21, I um, ended up having a child out of wedlock, and then a few years later had another child. Um, when I was pregnant with Israel, they did some blood work, and the doctors told me I had hepatitis, and I was terrified. I thought my life was over. Um, I didn't know how to tell his father because he didn't do drugs, and now I, now I had to bring this out in the open, you know. Um, I just remember I was at work. I was a waitress. I remember uh, getting that phone call, and I dropped on my knees outside. I was out back by the coolers. I was smoking a cigarette. And I just remember dropping to my knees, and I said, God, I'm really sorry. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need your help. You know, I was scared. I thought I was going to die. You know, when you get the news, you have hepatitis. I mean, your world crashes. Um, I ended up going to the doctor. Uh, and they told me, they said, well, we have this medicine that might be able to, it's 99% effective. We're going to send you to Morgantown. You're going to meet the doctor. You're going to talk to them. And uh, so I went to the doctor. And mind you, at this point in my life, I'm not even in church. I'm really... I'm out there, and but I knew my mom took me to church a couple times, you know, when I was a kid, and I remembered hearing testimonies and miracles about people getting healed. So I had that faith inside of me, and when I was at the doctor, the nurse said, all right, you're going to meet the doctor today. Um, we're going to get you set up on this medicine, and, you know, that faith just rised up inside of me, and I looked at her, and I said, you know what? I said, I believe in God. And I said, I'm not going to have to take that medicine. I said, God's going to heal me. And uh, she said, you know, you're going to go take your blood work. We're going to get your liver levels. And uh, we'll get you back in here. So I went downstairs, got my blood work. 
Oh, about a week later, I'm back at the Princess restaurant. I get a phone call, so I step outside. I thought I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette. I'm outside and the doctor calls and he says, Miss Wagner, he said, the nurse told me what you said. He said, I've never met you. He said, but I can't wait to meet you. He said, I got your blood results back and I can't believe it. He said, there is not a trace of hepatitis in your blood. <laughs> Glory to God. I went inside to that bathroom and I got on my knees and I made that toilet an altar. And I said, God, thank you, Lord. I, I, I couldn't, I was, it blew me away. You know, if God can perform a miracle in your life, you don't have to be perfect. You know, the Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly. And so that was 2012, a little bit later. You know, I'm still going to the methadone clinic. I'm, I'm trying to get off drugs. I really want to get off drugs. My body won't let me because it's, you're just hooked. Your mind, your heart doesn't want to be on drugs, but your body needs it every day. And I just kept saying, God, if you could heal me of hepatitis, will you take this addiction from me? God, and I would cry and I would pray, and all I knew was to read my Bible, and I would read his promises about healing, and I would cry, and I'd say, God, how long is this going to take? And I'll never forget it. I was at a church service March 27th, 2014. And the Holy Spirit said, today's your day. I'm going to set you free. And I said, he was so specific. He told me exactly who to have pray over me. And I couldn't stand that woman. <laughs> I thought she was fake. I said, you want me to go up to her? You're out of your mind. Well, I'm telling you, there's blessings for obedience because I was obedient. I went up to that woman. I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, you need to pray for me. And she goes, what do you, what do you want me to pray for? And I said, well, the Lord told me he's going to set me free from addiction today. And she said, you don't know what you're up against. I said, yes, I do. You go get your friends. I said, God's already healed me hepatitis. He told me he's going to set me free today. And so next thing I know, she got a couple people. They prayed over me. And I'm telling you what, that moment changed my life. I felt the fire of God come down through my body. I'm telling you, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I've done lots of crazy things to get a rush. Let me tell you something, this was the biggest rush I've ever had in my life. I felt the fire of God. I felt the fire of God. It literally started at my head. I felt it come down through my body. I felt demons. I felt stuff leave my stomach. And I woke up on the floor. I woke up on the floor like an hour later, and I have never been same. the same. I have, I have not touched drugs, alcohol, smoked cigarettes. I mean, God completely delivered and set me free. He has healed me. He's delivered me just in the last six years. He's taken me, he's, been, he's used me to be able to minister to the men and women in the Hope Homes and to remind them that there is hope, that their situation is not how they think it is. And God's used me to, to go around the world and to tell people about Jesus and his healing and his love. And so I just, I just wanna encourage you with that today, guys. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He will restore your life, and he will pull you up out of the pit and do amazing things for you. Wow. So Christine mentioned missions. Uh, we'll, we'll be planning a missions trip next year, and, and she's always our point person for that. So that's something you'd be interested. be life-changing see uh, Christine or Pastor Jay, they could help you with that. All right, that was good, real good. Jeff, Jeff LaHue, come on up, Jeff. So I, I always get confused because I've always called Jeff, Jeff LaHue, but then on Facebook, it's going to be Jeff Paul, but uh, I, I, what would you rather me say? Jeffrey Paul. Jeffrey Paul. Paul's my middle name. All right, 
Oh, see, I knew that was your middle name, but like, I, didn't, I wasn't sure. All right, Jeffrey Paul. So you, Jeff, Jeff, is, uh, Jeff has been one of our uh, men that has come through our recovery home. And he, this guy has not only gone through an inner transformation, but, but an outer, outward transformation. God is so good. And uh, the fact that Thanksgiving is four days away, I'd like to talk about that subject. Thanksgiving, the attitude of gratitude uh, gratefulness has opened many doors in my life because it changes the way you see things and um, it gives God room to do more in your life and I just feel like I was let me tell you about the depths of thank, thanksgiving and gratefulness right now I can sit here today say I am clean October 28th 2017 was the last time I did heroin and opiates I'm free it's like I never done it before and that freedom, that victory, I want to tell everybody about it. What God has done for me, he will do for you. He's no respecter of persons. And I could tell you, let me go back to the depths of this. I am thankful that he allowed that chapter of my life to happen to become a drug addict because when he delivered me, he solidified that relationship. I was saved before. And I knew about Christ all my life. I professed Christ, but I did not actually possess him in here. There was a head knowledge, but it, the, heart, the heart transplant had not taken place. And when that heart transplant takes place, he will transform you. And usually what's going, what you see on the outside is, is what's going on on the inside. It's, it's indicative of what's going on on the inside. He will change you. I OD'd, they brought me back with Narcane, I cursed the paramedics and my friends out for calling I did not want to live, I tried to take myself out, I got to tell you, when God has a purpose and a plan for your life, He will take what was meant for your bad and your destruction and turn it around for your good. It's my pleasure and privilege and honor to tell everybody the goodness of Jesus He's the champion of my rescue. I know when no one else could pull me out, he was there. He didn't leave me nor forsake me, no matter how hard-headed I was, how rebellious I was, how selfish I was, how many people I chased out of my life, how I wanted to barricade and isolate myself from people. He put me in a position where people took me in. They was willing to pray with me, not judge me, because that when that heart transplant takes place, he puts that big C word in there, which is compassion, and you learn to have compassion for people and, and see them where they're at and see them the way Jesus sees them. And, wow, man. What he can do in three years and a month, and so I am no longer a heroin addict. It's like I never touched a drug, but I... I don't forget the past because it always reminds me of how good he is, how powerful he is, and that I walk in that liberty and that freedom, and that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So, with that in mind, I just want to move forward and tell people about him and what he's done. And it goes even deeper. You, you start thinking the enemy puts thoughts in your head like, there are certain problems or certain issues he don't care about. He's got bigger things to deal with than your weight issue. I've lost 240 pounds in a year and a half. So he brought, so through this Hope Home uh, experience, I had to be around people, so I had to deal with people again. I learned discipline. I got a, a work ethic I didn't have before. Um, structure, routine, he, he just rebuilt my life from the ground up at age 47, and um, I've met so many great people in this ministry, through this ministry, and even outside of this ministry in this chapter of my life, and I know when you evolve in the Holy Spirit, not only will he change your life, he'll change uh, the lives of people around you, and I just... I, I'm just honored to be used. I'm honored to serve. And when I heard the other night that uh, 200 people were served in 26 minutes, that's what it's all about. Do you know how many churches that want to give out food and then they end up taking the stuff home because no one shows up? That's what it's all about. And I just want to praise God today and uh, tell you, uh, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, he knows your situation. He knows your name. He knows your number. He could pull you out, and he ain't giving up on you, even when you give up on yourself. And the last stronghold that he broke for me really was 
Even after he saved me and everybody's telling me they love me and all that, I still would not forgive myself. I would not let that go. Finally, one day when that was broke, he's like, who are you not to forgive yourself? I, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords forgave you. And you act like you're too good to forgive yourself. And that woke me up. And uh, praise God. I, I just love you guys. It's, this is a... Uh, I've never met a ministry like this. This is uh, what we're supposed to do. Get out there and tell people about Jesus and show them. Get your hands dirty. Uh, give till, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. God bless you. Hey, man, let's give it up for Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Amen. You know, I, I, I just love hearing what God's done in people's lives. So now we're here. We're gonna. I'm gonna invite up uh, AJ Adkins. Let's give it up for AJ. I, I've used AJ uh, as Pastor Jay has in a few uh, few examples. So probably no stranger to the stage here. But uh, AJ is probably gonna share publicly for one of the first times. And uh, so I know you wrote some things down about what uh, what God's been doing in you and working in you while you've been in the home. And, um, excited to hear what God's laid on your heart. So I'm different. I wrote it down. <laughs> um, but I want to start with a, a scripture I found that goes really well with Psalms 103, 1 through 5, but it's Isaiah 38, verses 14 through 17, and this is the ESV version. It says, I cried like a swift and thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am troubled, O Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things men live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind my back. So I'm going to try to do this without reading the whole thing but no promises, sorry. Um, before, I, before I came into the program, I, was, I wasn't living, I was trying to die in all honesty. I lived in many, many pits. Um, after certain attempts to allow one of these pits to bury me, one of my loved ones reached out and uh, was trying to get me help and I, I was running from it. I, I didn't want to accept the help. I, I truly wanted to die. Um, she uh, she reached out and I finally I finally uh, gave in to her reaching out. Um, so she wanted to put me into a mental facility for several months, um, anywhere from six months to a year. And, and because of the attempts of suicide and and all I had tried to do, uh, we drove by. It's called Thrive now. If anybody knows, it was City Reach of Ashland at the time when I went to it. Uh, we drove by that, and it, it got me thinking about Hope Homes. I explained to her what a Hope Home was, and I asked her to give me 24 hours um, to see if there was any open beds anywhere I can go to. Uh, within the 24 hours, I managed to get a hold of Autumn, not just once, but twice, and met her. Um, it's roughly a five-hour drive, depending on who's driving. Um, if Autumn's driving, it's, it's not. We'll just say that. Um, but she, um, she met me and my aunt halfway here, um, and picked me up, brought me home, brought me here, which I call home now. Um, <laughs> this is when I began to cry out to God. This is when I, I truly like stepped out and, and began to cry out to him and ask him to do a change in me that, I have three kids in my life that are that mean absolutely everything to me. They're I call them my nieces and my nephews, or my nieces and my nephew. There we go. Um, and, and they they love me so much, and it's so hard to see them and me want to die. So that's when I begin to cry out to God, and ask Him to begin to change me. And um, it has been an extremely long process to show me how a life is worth having and how to live my life for him. 
but he threw down a rope to me in uh, one of the pits I was in. I, I, tried, I tied it around myself, and he began to pull me out slowly. As I took the steps up the wall to walk with him, he was pulling me out of the pit. Um, one pit he has pulled me completely out of was the pit of homosexuality. When I came to this program, I can honestly say I never in a million years thought I would not be with another woman relationship-wise. Um, so actually at the time I refused to see it was a sin or a sexual immorality but one of the the days that I was crying out to God he opened my eyes and my ears without me even realizing until I was asked to speak today Um, I had a roommate that literally like I, I literally said all the time I've never been told it's a it's in the New Testament yeah it's in the New Old Testament but I had a roommate not only show me one verse, but several verses in the New Testament, and it completely changed my whole concept of the idea. Um, And that's what opened my eyes and my ears up to everything. That was the day, I literally just met her that week, and, and that was the day that I was like, that's not who I am. He spoke to me and he literally told me I was nothing without him, and then I needed to start building my life with him. Um, so because of the homosexual lifestyle that I was living, my entire family disowned me. Um, I grew up in church. My, my siblings grew up in church. My sister and I literally would have scriptural battles. She would quote to me scripture about how I was living the wrong lifestyle. And I would quote scripture to her that she was being judgmental and she was a fool for that. Um, so because of that, eventually we just quit talking. The only time we would talk was birthdays and holidays. And if it wasn't a text message or um, like a message on Facebook, it was a 30-second phone call. There was no I love you. There was no nothing after that. It was happy birthday. Thanks. All right. Bye. It, it was over. Like So when I, um, when I had my eyes and ears opened up to that, all right. When I had my eyes and ears opened up to that, it th- my first thought was to call my sister. I called her, and it was like our whole universe had flipped upside down between the two of us. I began to talk to her about everything the program was showing me, and I, I began to tell her like who I was starting to see myself as, and... Um, a relationship that was so broken and so twisted and, and in my eyes unrepairable has been repaired and restored because of God. So God has not only healed me from living a life of wanting death, but he has healed me and um, pulled me out of the pit of homosexuality. And he has also restored one of uh, the strongest relationships I've ever had in my life. Um, My sister has not only spoke truth to me and life to me when I've needed it on my 15-minute phone calls, but she has sent me care packages. She has, um, she's bought me this promise ring, actually, um, because the day I decided not to be a lesbian anymore, I made a promise to God that I would never go back to that lifestyle, and he promised me that he would give me the desires of my heart to have my own family and my own children. Um, And she's also spent about six and a half hours with me here in Cumberland um, after driving from Indiana. So it's been a huge restoration process, and there's only more to come. So I ask you today, and I'm actually going to read this. Um, Let me find him here. So I had to ask myself, why would I not praise him for pulling me out of these pits? I had to ask myself, why would I forget what he's done for me? And why would I think he won't continue to do these things for me? So I ask you, what is keeping you from crying out to God today? He can put uh, put all your troubles and sins behind you where they belong. Will you let him today?
AJ, thank you. I, I know that was not an easy something to share. God bless you. You know, the devil, the devil will want you to settle for less than what God has for you. He will convince you that that's all there is. He will convince you that it's the best you're going to be. A lot. You know, we heard Christine talk about, you know, her life just came to a screeching halt. Get the call, get hepatitis. She gets healed of that. She gets delivered completely in one night from every vice that ever gripped her life. Kid Jeff that says, he said, I started over at 47 years old. You know, the tendency to be, I've been this way for so long, God can't do anything with me. God can actually talk about that word redeem. There's a verse in the Bible that says he can redeem the years. He can buy back the years that you threw away. He can restore broken relationships. He can, he can restore things that maybe issues with your family, lies you've bought into, lifestyles, whatever it is. There's nothing too great for God. Today's a day, as, you know, as we come to Thanksgiving, I just want to just declare the goodness of God in every situation. But I always want to give an opportunity because you could get free to drugs and still go to hell. You can get healed of a disease and still go to hell. Because unless you make Jesus the Savior of your life, unless you accept the free gift of salvation, unless you allow Him to wash His blood over you and cleanse you and make you whiter than snow, You'll never know what that relationship is like. You might taste a measure of it. You might have a measure of deliverance, a measure of healing. But until you know the, the, the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, you're always going to be missing a piece. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you today, have you received Jesus as your Savior? We don't know, we don't know what today holds. I don't know what next week holds, next year. You might live, I mean, I hope you live a full life. God's will is for you to live a full, long life. That's his will. Sometimes the choices we make, sometimes choices other people make can cut that short. I don't want anybody walking out of here today not knowing that their sins are forgiven. Not knowing that you know that you know that you know no questions, would you go to heaven? You know. Jesus said, he said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And if that's you today, if you're lost and you don't know, Jesus wants you. He wants you. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know that you've had your sins forgiven. I just want to ask you to stand up right now. And we're going to pray for you. I won't embarrass you, but I want you to just to stand up in your seat right now. I know there's people here that need to accept Jesus. I know there's people here that need to have their sins forgiven. I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Apostle Paul said that if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If that's you, I just, I'm not going to belabor, but I, I want you to just, just stand up right now. God's calling you. You're feeling a tugging at your heart. The Holy Spirit saying, today's your day, today's your day. I want a relationship with you. 
you're online and you don't know Jesus, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you decide you did not want to stand up, you're just not comfortable, I get that, that's okay. But I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I just want you to repeat this. Father, I, I realize that I'm a sinner. That because of my sin, I deserve death. But Jesus, I thank you that you came and took my sin. You took my penalty, which was death, and you died for me. And you rose again the third day. And I received that payment that you made for me. I invite you and make you the Lord of my life. I say yes to you now. Thank you, Father, for making me one of your children. You prayed that today. I believe you're a new creation. I believe that Jesus has wiped your sins completely clean. I believe that you have a home in heaven. 